Welcome back, everyone, to another End of the Word broadcast. Uh, we're not doing the Bible this particular week. Uh, we are having conversations with Omer Eshel from uh, Israel. Uh, he is the CEO and co-founder of The Bible Comes to Life. Uh, it's a, an, an educational um, enterprise. Uh, it does tours as well, but it basically is trying to bring everybody up to speed on, uh, well, the place where the Bible comes to life, Israel. Uh, and so these next two episodes we're going to do, we're going to talk about archaeology and tourism. And uh, if you are interested in uh, getting in contact with uh, Omer, you can, well, you can go to the Facebook page, The Bible Comes to Life, or you can go to TB, I'm very bad at spelling, folks. Uh, basically, the initials of the Bible Comes to Life. Uh, dot com, correct? TB, T. TBCTL. I told you, I'm really bad. <laughs> I cannot visualize spelling in my head. My wife knows that, and she spells to me all the time and laughs at me about it. Um, but anyway. Uh, you check him out, uh, Facebook and on the website. And uh, of course, if you're interested in going to Israel on a tour, once uh, things settle down there, I'm taking a tour in September. Not everything's been set in stone yet, but uh, we'll talk more about that next episode. Uh, like I said, this episode is going to be set uh, about archaeology, which is digging up the past. Uh, and um, I'm going to ask uh, Omer to start on this topic in particular. We've been talking about the history, and we know that when archaeology first got its start uh, in the modern era, in the 1800s, the 1900s, Israel was first under the Ottoman Empire and then kind of went under the British Empire. Uh, so how do you feel about the way that the mostly European archaeologists uh, did things when they first started digging around there in, in the land where the Bible comes to life. <laughs> well, we need, we need to remember that uh, uh, not just the European, also the Turks, I got to tell you, also the Turks. Back then, archaeology, archaeology was born as a way of empires to get fund. This is how it started, as grave robbers, actually. It was fancy grave robbing, it was fancy, wasn't it? Yes, it was. <laughs> It was fancy grave robbers. It's, I'm, a, I'm also a trained archaeologist, so, so I hope my colleagues will forgive me for that. But this is what it, what it was. Uh, and when the Ottoman Empire started to dig, it wasn't just the Western powers. They stole so many artifacts from the places that they dig. For example, the, the inscription of the Pool of Siloam, the town of Siloam that was dug by King Hezekiah, is today in Istanbul. The tomb of Alexander the Great was taken from Greece, sorry, from Lebanon, and it's now in, uh, 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 in Istanbul. Many amazing sculptures of uh, uh, Roman emperors are in Istanbul. Now, if you look at the Brits, what the British did, and the French and the Germans, they did the same thing. They went to dig, in, especially in the Ottoman Empire, Ottoman Empire and they found artifacts. And uh, basically what they did, the British sometimes just took it without asking any permission. They did it mostly in Egypt. In Israel, it was very interesting. The Turkish Empire, sorry, the Ottoman Empire, was bankrupt. They had no money. So the Brits and the French and the Germans basically bought those artifacts. For example, if you Google today, Google the Pergamon Museum. Oh, yes. 
Pergamon Museum is a museum in the heart of Berlin that housed the entire shrine of Pergamon. Yes, the great big altar to Zeus. Exactly. Yes. The Germans bought it piece by piece with money. They paid the Ottoman. Unbelievable. Now, when the British came over and they started to do more what we call it uh, evangelical archaeology, this is when it shifted from grave robbers to understand that archaeology can prove the Bible. This is an archaeologist such as uh, Oliphant, for example, or uh, uh, um, uh, the, the father Ronald Devaux in the 30s. When they digged archaeological sites, they did it in order to prove the Bible. And this is where we have basically the beginning of biblical archaeology. Yes. And this is the topic of our conversation today. It's not a regular archaeology. It's not if you find a sword of the crusade. It's cool, but uh, this is not your agenda. The agenda here today is to speak about archaeological sites that proves the Bible. Yes, it's it's much more serious and much more widely shared as well. Uh, and, and that's kind of where I was going next, is that uh, how, how would you describe uh, Israel's, the government in particular's commitment to this ongoing archaeological work uh, to kind of recover uh, the past here in in the in the land in Israel uh, um, Zionism is based on archaeology the, the Zionist movement is based on archaeology because the idea is the return of the Jewish nation back to their homeland how can you prove it's their homeland if you did archaeological dig and you find that Jews live there and we have finding since the time of Joshua that's the oldest Jewish finding that we found was to, uh, dated to 13, uh, uh, around 1300 BCE. So that's really, that's right after the Exodus. Yes. Uh, so, uh, sorry, 13th century BCE. It's uh, the, the end of the, of the 13th century BCE. So when you look at, at biblical archaeology, biblical archaeology is being taken very, very seriously in Israel, very seriously. There are two lines of thoughts, main school of thoughts in Israel, that's called the minimalist and the maximalist. Minimalists will be mostly Tel Aviv University, that they are trying to disprove the Bible. That's interesting. Yes, <laughs> they're trying to disprove the Bible, but I, I will put an asterisk next to this. They are trying to disprove the 10th and the 9th century BC, meaning the kingdom of David, the kingdom of, of Saul, and the kingdom of, uh, uh, of Solomon. Yeah, the, the Israeli empire, yes. basically, is what they're trying to this get rid of. This is what they're trying to get rid of, right. The maximalists, which I'm proud to be a member of them, this is Hebrew University, and we dig the, uh, uh, the ground to prove the Bible. Now, Israel has 37,000 known archaeological sites. 37,000? Yes. I didn't know it was that mm -hmm. high. 5,000 of them are biblical era. Biblical era anytime between the 18th century BC until 1st century AD. So that's 5,000 of them are biblical era. None of them contradict the Bible. Not even one. So you're going to say, so how come you have this entire school of thought of the minimalists? They are head by a very bright archaeologist by the name Israel Finkelstein. Very, very smart archaeologist who keep on trying to bash the Bible. Uh, and I remember I read an, a, an interview with him and they said, how can we keep on trying to bash the Bible when you keep on losing? And he said, well, everybody knows my name. <laughs> <laughs> so he's famous for uh, being a debunker, yeah. even though he's not good at it. <laughs> the, the big debate between us and the minimalists is for that period of time. Saul, David, Solomon. That's, that's the difference, the big difference between us. 
after Solomon from time of Rehoboam, actually, we all agree. From the time of Rehoboam all the way till today, there's no uh, uh, dispute. And if there is, very small one. But right. the, the big, I'm going to give you an example. Uh, up until 1993, uh, the minimalists claimed that David never existed. Mm-hmm. Which is, <laughs> okay, how can you even say that? But, yeah. They say that David is a mythological king like King Arthur. By the way, the Muslims love that. They love, the Muslims go straight into the minimalist uh, 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 approach. In 1993, we found in the city of Dan, that we know from the Bible very, very well, we found in the city of Dan an inscription that was written by a king called Hazael. We know him also from the Bible. Hazael was the king of Aram. Yes. And he came down and he destroyed Israel, the kingdom of Israel, not Judea, the kingdom of Israel, and also the Philistines. He burned down the Philistines. And he left an inscription saying, I have enslaved the house of David. Now, here's a problem for the minimalists. If you find a script that was written by the enemies of Israel calling the house of David, it means that there was a dynasty in Judea that was called the house of David. That's right. And the house of David is named after the founder of that dynasty, which in this case is... David. 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 Yeah. So we have an evidence yeah. outside the Bible that King David existed. And only because of biblical archaeology you can do that. But people, I, I think that people don't know the world war that is going on in the, uh, in the academia on the archaeological subject because today archaeology is very political, very political. And if one side wants to prove that they were here since ever, like the state of Israel, the other side, which will be, for example, Palestinian, will try to claim differently. For example, a lot of the Palestinians are saying that they are descendants of the Philistines, even though we know 100% that is not true because we can do a DNA test. And, yeah. and actually, when we did it, and uh, the Philistines are the most similar to the Greeks. That's correct. And to Cyprus, not to the Palestinians. Yeah, they came in several waves out of the Aegean. Right. I, I love the archaeological stuff. I would not want to do it. <laughs> uh, that, that's too tedious for me. I, I'm not that type of uh, focused person for that. But I had a professor in Bible college, a dear professor, Wilbur Fields, uh, who was at Gerbet Nisha. Mm -hmm. uh, he was working with a guy that was looking for the authentic site of Ai. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, it was his love that kind of contaminated me and as weird as it sounds to many of the people that are going to hear this one of the most exciting things that happened to me on my very first trip to israel 2018 was going uh up to uh this site of a of a canaanite palace and finding a burn layer mm -hmm. that was dated to 1400 BC. And I'm like, that's Joshua's burn yes. layer right there. It, and I took pictures of it and I posted it. And I was like, super, I'm still excited about it here five years later. Uh, because that for me is exactly the idea. Archaeology affirms these are not mythological stories here. These are, these are news events that uh, are being proven by stuff right there on the ground. The city you're talking about, of course, is Hazor. Hazor, which uh, I only went on that very trip, but I keep saying I want it on my next trip. Absolutely. So it's on, it's on the schedule. We'll see when that we get there. And this is amazing. How do we know that this fire is dated to the, to the time of Joshua? 
In modern archaeology, in modern archaeology, in ancient archaeology or old archaeology, we use pottery to decide or, or scripts to decide the timing. Today, we have an isotope called carbon-14, and you can examine the life of that organic material. And because burning material is actually organic, it's wood. Mm -hmm. So you know when, when it was created, when it was made, and that's the time of Joshua. And yep. you're right, you're standing in a palace seeing a thick layer of ash, which correlates exactly with Joshua 10 and 11. Yeah, and it helps me an awful lot because as a, as a Bible teacher and a chronologer, uh, I have to wrestle with these people that say, oh, Joshua needs to be much later in history. And I'm like, no, 1400 is the reasonable time given the information in the, in the scripture. And now I've got something extra. That burn layer is from his period, and there is no other burn layer farther down right. that would match that. And so that's that's one of the things I find very helpful uh, in archaeological work. There was an amazing archaeological discovery that was done, I think, back in 2000, I want to say 21 or 22. And it's a small lead amulet that it says in Hebrew, curse, curse, curse be to the God of Israel. Mm-hmm. And it was found in an altar that was built by Joshua over the city of Shechem. If you remember in scripture, you have the Mount of Blessing and the Mount of Curse. Yep. So this is the Mount of Curse. Now, the fact that is, it's an earthquake, it's not because of the actual finding. The finding itself is amazing. It is amazing to find an amulet from the 13th, 14th century, century BC. Absolutely. But I just want our listeners to understand the earthquake that it did. Up until that finding... The minimalists claim to say that the book of Joshua and Judges and 1 Samuel and even 2 Samuel were written after effect by the kings of Judah way into the time of Hezekiah because Jews did not know how to read and write back then. Now, the claim was idiotic because the Ten Commandments, they're in writing. Right. So they said, okay, show me the Ten Commandments and I, and I will say I was wrong. Now, here's the deal. We found letters of Hebrew, ancient Hebrew, but still Hebrew, dating to the time of Joshua, which means that the people who were with Joshua knew how to read and write. Sure they did. Of course. Yeah. But now we have the evidence for that. Yeah. That's a big deal. So you can say that the story of Gideon was written by people who saw Gideon. That's a huge, huge discovery. Very, very nice. Now, you've actually involved yourself not just in digs outside of Israel, but digs inside of Israel. Yes. So uh, talk about that a little bit, too. Actually, yeah, I participated in several digs. Very interesting. You were very excited when you were showing us yeah. the one. Yeah, 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 yeah. I digged in a city called Azeka. Azeka is mentioned in the Bible several times, actually. Azeka is a Canaanite city. Later on, was fortified by King Rehoboam, and that's one of the best bird-eye view of the Battle of David and Goliath. Yes, and there were a few discoveries over there that were absolutely amazing for me. We found a skeleton of a woman and a child that were crushed by a very heavy material that fell on them. It could be a jar, it could be a beam, it could be a rock, whatever. We examined the, and we saw a lot of burned materials around them. Probably they had uh, oil deposits, uh, oil jars on the second floor of that, that uh, workshop or house. We don't know exactly what it was. So we examined the, uh, 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 the age of the bones, and we reached the time of Uzziah. Mm. And I'm standing there with Professor uh, Oded Lifshitz, very, very, very bright man. We're looking at this, and I said to him, I know exactly the timing. He said, what do you mean? I said, this is the time of, of Amos. He said, uh -huh, why? Yes. Because you read Amos, and it says, 
who prophesied two years after the great earthquake. We found the earthquake. How incredible this is. Yeah, that's very cool. Mm -hmm. This is one discovery. Another discovery I can think of that was uh, 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 amazing is the discovery of the city of Sha'arim. In 1 Samuel 17, uh, at the end of the chapter, the Philistine fell slain on the road of Sha'arim. Sha'arim mm -hmm. in Hebrew means two gates. Double gate. Yeah. Double gate. In 2000 and I want to say 16 or 15, uh, Professor Frankel from the Hebrew University found the city of Sha'arim. We know exactly where the city is and how do we know it's Sha'arim because it has two gates. That's that's on the north side that's of the That's on the Ella. north side of Valley. yes. Yes. Yeah. And this is exactly what the Bible speaks about. This is this is Sha'arim. There was another discovery that was done today in this recording. We are in January 9. Yesterday was a discovery in the city of Gat that the city of Gat was burned down by this same king Hazael. We know this for a fact because we did examination of the burned gate of the city of Gad. It's all over the news today in Israel. Oh, I hadn't heard that it's yet. It's brand new. It was, it, was, it was published yesterday. So it's incredible to find these archaeological finds and, uh, uh, that, that prove that the scripture that we, are re that we read are correct. Yeah. In our pre-conversation, um, I, I warned you I was going to ask about uh, significant archaeological finds uh, in a much more modern time. But... Your mind immediately went to the one that I think a lot of people know about, and that that's the Dead Sea Scrolls, yeah. uh, 1947. Mm -hmm. So same period that we've been talking about earlier about stuff. Uh, tell a little bit about that. That's like Qumran area. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The Dead Sea Scrolls, what's amazing about them is, okay, let's, let's go back and just explain what, it, what they are. The Dead Sea Scrolls are codex of scrolls, about 800 in some of them, almost 900, of fragments of scrolls that are basically made out of three different uh, uh, fractions. One will be the community rule, which means kind of like the codex of laws of that community. The second one will be the, what they call the, uh, the explanation or the way of life, how their life today is being implemented by scriptures. And the third one will be scriptures. Now, it's not the fact that we found scrolls that were hidden in the ground uh, for 2,000 years. It's the fact that if you open the codex of the Bible that they had, it is exactly the same as a Bible that just came out of the print yesterday. Why this is so big? We always say that the Word of God is true. Those scrolls were never copied because they were buried in the ground for 2,000 years. And if it is exactly the same, exactly the same, word for word, then that means that the Word of God is true. Yeah. That's one thing. The second thing is, there were a lot of debates what language Jesus spoke. I heard Aramaic. I heard those with great imagination said Greek. He spoke Hebrew. How do we know he spoke Hebrew? Because the Dead Sea Scrolls are written in Hebrew. That I can read today, like reading a newspaper. It's the same Hebrew. Yeah, I, I, I know that these the finding of these scrolls is very important to help people understand that there was this continuity uh, that was so precise between uh, the, the, the first century period uh, and uh, the first time we had scriptures uh, in Hebrew mm -hmm. that people had been using for a long time. Uh, we jumped like a thousand years, I think, wasn't it, uh, for yes. the Isaiah scroll yes. uh, when the, the Dead Sea Scrolls were found. Yeah. That's actually another one of my uh, big memories of my first trip to Israel is when I was a kid, I was gifted a Bible when I was only six years old. 
many, many years ago now. <laughs> and uh, it had colored plates in it, which was a big deal to have in a Bible. And one of the colored plates was the little cave. I, I don't remember what the number of the cave was uh, there. It was at four uh, where the scrolls were found. Mm-hmm. And when I got to Qumran at the little overlook there and I saw that cave, I'm like taking selfies of myself saying, this is a big deal for me to be standing so close yeah. to this bit of history yeah. uh, of, that helps us understand the Bible better. Yeah, that, that is, I think it's, if you ask me what is the biggest discovery in the past 200 years of archaeology, I would say that this is Dead Sea Scrolls yes. is a big one. Yes. Yeah. Well, let's move past the century mark. What would you say the next one is? Uh, the one in this modern period in the last 23 years? I would say in Jerusalem, in the city of David, they did amazing discoveries over there. First of all, they found the pipe that the Bible speaks about. You know, our understanding of Joab, Joab, you say it in English, yeah. how he conquered the city. He didn't conquer the city. He conquered the water supply of the city. And as they said, he went through the pipe. He conquered the pipe. The name of the castle was the pipe. And we found that castle. So this is the castle that Joab, you know, uh, uh, took it. Yep. Another discovery is the Pilgrim Road. It is a road that connects between uh, the Pool of Siloam all the way up to Temple Mount. And this is the road that Jesus himself took. And you can walk on that Pilgrim Road today. I'm looking forward to it because it was not yet open. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, of course, the Pool of Siloam. The Pool of Siloam, we found the actual Pool of Siloam, which is in John 9. We know where it is. Yeah, and I hear it's been much more excavated yes. in the last it's couple of huge years. Now. Yes, yes, yes. I, I'm really looking forward to that, too. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking about, you know, for example, other, other archaeological finds that we had. For example, up in the Golan Heights, today, when I was a kid, we knew about three synagogues from the time of Jesus. Only three in the entire land of Israel. Today, we know of over 40. Many of them are in the Golan Heights. Actually, right next to my home, right next to my village, we found a synagogue dated to the first century AD. And it's called Majdulia. And it was found because of a flood that happened a year ago. And when the water receded, we found the synagogue. That often happens with yes. these uh, archaeological finds. Absolutely. I, I know that the, uh, the, temple plat- or the temple platform for the golden calf was uh, located. Not, I don't think it was a flood. It was the fact that they said, there is a monster tree here that likely was the site of some sort of special site. Let's dig here. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and yeah. so uh, just all these little archaeological uh, bits and pieces that, that help. And that's a mount, that's a great site there, too. Uh, Dan. Dan is incredible, to, yes. Uh, to go and see. Uh, that. That's a big deal to me, too, to have seen the change in that site yeah. in my trips, to see that platform completely uncovered now and imagining in my head, you know, uh, that abominable uh, idol uh, of Jeroboam mm-hmm. uh, that was sitting right there uh, near the altar site. In Dan also, there is another part, which is the Gate of Abraham. Oh, the Gate of Abraham. That is, I, wow. My first wow. visit, I had to actually run to that uh-huh. because it wasn't on the group tour. Ah, okay. And, and there was a bathroom break going on, and the two of us that were traveling together were told by uh, our... our uh, if, it was Afrat, uh-huh. uh, our guy. If you're hurry, if you hurry, you can get down to mm-hmm. the Canaanite gate, and we did. Uh, and, and, it was and, a good experience. And that gate is mentioned in Genesis 14, yeah. when Abraham chased the, the the kings to free Lot. He reached the city of Dan. The gate. The gate of Dan. The and, gate of Dan. And this is it. And you stand over there, and you open Genesis 14, and it's like this is Genesis, 
That's the first book of the Bible. Mm -hmm. And you see what Abraham saw. And it's incredible. There is an awful lot uncovered now than there was, you know, 50 years ago. Um, Is there any, some big ones on the horizon that you're aware of? Yes, yes, yes. That you can talk about? Yeah, of course. The city of Susita. Susita today, we know that this is the place of the miracle of the swines, which we count in Mark 5, because we found the mausoleums. Up until a year ago, we didn't know about those mausoleums. This is at the midpoint on the eastern shoreline of uh, the Sea of Galilee. Yeah, this is the land of the Gadarenes. So when you read scriptures, when you read the account in Mark, when Jesus come up to the land of the Gadarenes and you see about Legion who dwelled in the caves, we always thought about little caves or little, he says, dwell in the tombs. So little tombs, like dig, like a, like a hole in the ground. But how can you live in a place like this? In Susita, Susita is called Hippos also in, in, in Greek. In the entrance to the city, the entire entrance to the city was full of mausoleums of the founders of the city. So any citizen that used to go into that Decapolis would pay homage to the uh, uh, founders of the city and their tombs. Ancestor worship. Ancestor worship, yeah. exactly. In one of those mausoleums lived the demoniac. And when you open the scriptures and you stand in at the ruins of one of those mausoleums, you see the route that Jesus took. That's exactly what the Bible speaks about. And it's incredible. I mean, you stand in <clears throat> with scriptures and you see it right before you. Yeah. Uh, we've only got about a little less than two minutes left. Uh, we're going to wrap this up. But one of the things that I do find hard for the archaeologists is where to stop mm-hmm. in the layers. <laughs> you want to talk about that real quick? I, 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 you know what? You know, you know when, when a dig stops? When you run out of fund. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, I'm sorry. It, I, I wish it would sound more dramatic, but no. Because you have, you have a certain time to dig. You have, the government gives you a permit to dig for a certain time. If you find something at that certain time, great. If not, good luck finding another funding. But there is just so many layers oh, yeah. of the story over there that uh, you can uncover. And um, wow, I, I, I can't imagine not wanting to dig a little bit deeper each and every time because, wow, if we found something important here, maybe we'll find something even more important farther down. You know, in the little time that we have, I, I, want, I want to address this. Because in archaeology, when you find a layer, if it's a big deal, if you found the Palace of Yavin that was burned down by Joshua... You don't need to go lower than that. Yeah. This is the climax. You don't need to go down. Just leave it alone. Just leave it alone. What they do, they do what we call a time shaft that you put. Oh, a, that's true. Yeah. So you go all the way down with a drill. And basically, you take land sample and you can count the layers that you have all the way to the to the foundation bedrock. Yeah, you have an idea of what's down there yeah. already. Yeah. Well, Omer, it was Good to have another session like this, and we've got one more to go yet. And so I hope everybody that's listening in now will uh, get back with us again tomorrow. Uh, And make sure, everybody, that you uh, go online and find Omer, friend him, friend uh, The Bible Comes to Life, and uh, keep up on all this information.